Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. For NPR Music, you're connected to all songs considered. I'm Bob Boylan. I'm here with Lars Gottridge, and this is... Viking's Choice! Yes! <laughs> the band is... <laughs> the band is Perturbator. <laughs> what is the song called? This is Neo Tokyo from the record The Uncanny Valley. One of my favorite records of the year. Here we go. Just imagine a, a, a group of really uh, young Japanese friends in a living room, uh-huh. and they're all playing different video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, James Kent, he's a Parisian producer. Um, he is massively influenced by Blade Runner and uh, the anime Akira and uh, lots of like synthesizer artists, uh, like James Carpenter all those folks, but he comes at it from, he was a metal musician originally, and so all this stuff has a real hard edge. And uh, I've been following his work for the last four or five years, and he's part of this movement called Synthwave. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he, uh, he's kind of at the forefront of this movement that is uh, largely Bandcamp supported. Like the Bandcamp community loves uh, Perturbator. And this kind of music is really popular specifically to Bandcamp. It's a it's an interesting, tiny phenomenon. I love this guy's music, and it, this record in particular, he's really stepped up his game as uh, not only a composer, but somebody who knows how to write real melodies that have like a real gut to them. And uh, it's also really weird and chaotic, too. Yeah, let's hear a tiny bit more. So uh, for those of you who have never experienced a Viking's Choice, uh, at the end of every year, uh, Lars comes in and plays me all the stuff that I probably missed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's all the stuff that I missed uh, on the outer fringes of, of uh, so many different musics, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm writing about this music pretty much all year on the All Songs blog. Occasionally, I appear on this very show and uh, throw a little wrench into whatever you and Robin are doing. Happy to have that wrench. Yeah. Where do you want to go next? You know, let's keep it let's keep it heavy, but also kind of sad. The Belgian band Oathbreaker put out a record earlier this year called uh, Rea. They were a group that was kind of on my radar. They were ostensibly like a hardcore band, like a heavy hardcore band. 
But over the last couple of releases, they've started incorporating more black metal into their music, maybe a little bit more like emotional hardcore, if you will. And this rec- this is the record where I thought they finally figured out how to bring all of their disparate inf- influences together. And I think that's partially because the, the songwriting is much better and much more visceral, but also because the vocalist really came into her, her own. Uh, she was mostly a screamer before, but on this record, she really allowed herself to sing cleanly, as we would say in the metal world. And uh, this record opens with it opens with a two part song called uh, 1056 and Second Son of R. And the, fir- the first song is just Caro by herself. And she just sounds so meek and fragile. But as ambient guitars started to build up behind her, she starts to find herself in the mm-hmm. song. Then it's just pure catharsis for seven minutes. So why don't we listen to a little bit of the top where she is singing about uh, kind of an act of violence against her brother uh, in this very beautiful and poetic way. And you'll hear, like I said, the ambient guitars start to come up and then everything just explodes. down yeah yeah Let's see what happens Play the last minute yeah it's kind of a once you get there it's it's really like i really encourage people to listen to this whole song but that last minute just like destroys me every time and we'll put the whole song online We're gonna, we've got like a dozen things we've got to get so through, many so. things to talk about but let me just hear the the end here.
Yeah. There is a great ex- uh, episode of uh, Song Exploder, which if you're not familiar with that podcast, it's where the host uh, sits down with a, a musician and breaks apart a song piece by piece, mm-hmm. uh, actually gets like the master tracks and like solos things out. And I did this song and uh, I remember Cairo, the singer, was like, for that last minute, it was completely improvised. The band knew that something was going to happen in that last minute when they did it in the studio, but they didn't know what. And she just like had at it, like absolute catharsis. Wow. It's it's extremely chilly. The second center R is the song and the group is? Oathbreaker and the name of the record is Rhea. Where to? Why don't we quiet it down a little bit? <laughs> so uh, out of all the music I probably listen to the most is guitar music, uh, which is a very oversimplified way to talk about it. But uh, I love listening to uh, solo guitar music that is often branded as American Primitive, or I love solo jazz record, solo jazz guitar records, or blues, or country, or anything like that. And I tend to, in my brain, I put them all together because they are all explorations of a six or twelve string instrument. Mm-hmm. And there is this fantastic label called uh, VDSQ that uh, the majority of their records do this. There, there are they do solo guitar records and they span the genres that there some of them are really strange and weird some of them are very beautiful and very conventional and this year vdsq released uh in their 12th volume uh a record by sarah louise who is a guitarist out of uh, north carolina and i, I became aware of her like a, a few years ago she self-released this uh like little record that i thought was really interesting but very raw and had a lot of potential was but wasn't maybe quite there yet but this record uh, i've read interviews with her and i've talked with her like chatted with her over email her basis for a lot of composition besides uh, appalachian folk music which is her uh, main basis for a lot of what she does is she composes from nature which sounds very hippy dippy like uh, not gonna lie but she looks at nature and she wants to respond to it and this is how she writes her music And uh, I'm going to play a song here called uh, Floating Rhododendron. And at the two-minute mark, it literally sounds like flowers falling into a creek. Mm. Should we start a little before that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
give me this when we're all done. I want Absolutely. this whole record. <laughs> and the record's called? It's just called Volume 12. Uh, it's part of the uh, BDSQ acoustic series. I see. It's really good. And, and the artist? Is Sarah Louise. And the song is Floating Rhododendron. Yeah. Wow. Perfectly titled. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Are you going to thrash or where, what are we doing? I'm going to keep it in this mode oh. a little bit. Oh. Yeah. And then. <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then we'll get loud again. <laughs> the hammer falls. <laughs> why, don't you, uh, why, don't you, why don't you start up this uh, okay. song? All right. Uh, okay. Modular synth. Yes. No question. Sounds a little like a surge modular, but maybe... Uh, could be a bukla. Don't know. Ding ding. Yeah, it's a bukla. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, a collaborative record between Suzanne Gianni and Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Uh, Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Uh, we actually named uh, her album, her solo album, Years, as one of our top fifty albums of the year. Um, it's a gorgeous record. I love that record. Oh, she's a bukla player. And she's also be- and so Suzanne Gianni's a. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, so it's a meeting of the minds. I see. So Bukla, for those who don't know, modular synths in the, in the, well, let's just say the 70s. We'll do that because that's when yeah. Suzanne was making music. And uh, were, there were just a few companies who were making synthesizers. Most of them were no keyboard attached. Right. They were just modules that you plugged one thing into another to affect the sound of each of the modules. So that's a, that's what's going on here for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And they put out this collaborative record called Synergy. And uh, it's part of this uh, really great series called Freakways on the Revenge International label, where the basically the entire point of the series is to pair the masters with the people making music now. And so you've had these amazing collaborative albums between... Uh, the psychedelic artist uh, Sana Ra and the Jamaican dub band The Congos. Which, by the way, if you haven't heard that yeah, record, wow. it's an incredible record. <laughs> um, and that's just one example, and they've done many in this series. Um, but I've, this is such a beautiful pan-generational conversation using the same language of the synth, but they definitely, like, Gianni and Smith definitely have their own approach to their own to their instruments her solo record definitely like she sings on a lot of her songs on her solo record ears that's beautiful but it's amazing to hear uh gianni is especially she knew uh uh bukla uh back in the day and she was originally a classically trained pianist tom bukla who died uh just this year just this year and actually Gianni and Smith wrote uh, a beautiful piece uh, for us about Bukla. About Bukla. <laughs> this record, I, this is one that I kept returning to all year. I keep hearing new things in what they do, and they're so much in tune with each other, but also know when to break apart. Let's listen.
just a gorgeous record. I believe that's like a 23-minute track. <laughs> the name of the album is Synergy by Suzanne Gianni and Caitlin Aurelia Smith. Uh, as I said, uh, Caitlin Aurelia Smith also put out a gorgeous solo record called Ears. That's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I like out. that record a lot. That's where I first heard her. Where to now we thrash? Now we thrash. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been... Uh, I've lived in Washington, D.C. for the last 10 years. I celebrated my 10-year anniversary as mm-hmm. not only an All Songs intern 10 years ago, but uh, as an employee uh, just this past summer. And, you know, when you move to Washington, D.C. and you are aware of its music, you know about hardcore. Like, if you care anything about music, you know about you know about two things. You know about hardcore and you know about, about Go-Go. And when I moved to D.C. in 2006... There wasn't really much in the way of hardcore going on. It, it mostly existed in the 80s and the 90s. It was very revolutionary, uh, both musically and politically, and really galvanized like an entire like international scene. And now it galvanizes every documentary and book. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. There are so many. But in the last five years, DC hardcore has come back, and I've been watching it. I've been watching it grow and mature in that time um, with fascination because some of them were picking up on what DC bands were doing in the 80s and some of them are just going completely to different directions. And, and, and in fact, I had my old neighbor and friend, Ron Knox, he wrote a beautiful piece for NPR called The State of DC Hardcore about that very thing and not just about the current DC hardcore scene, but where it wants to go. Mm-hmm. And there are two bands that have come out of the scene that are extremely important. There's Coke Bust, who have been around the longest of the new generation. And then there's Pure Disgust. Pure Disgust is a bunch of young 20-somethings that all started when they were young teen-somethings. And they've been putting out a, a steady diet of demos and seven inches over the last few years of no-holds-barred political hardcore, very influenced by late 80s stuff like Negative Approach and Street Punk and maybe a little bit of Thrash. And they finally put out their self-titled record this year. And it is 18 minutes of absolute righteous fury. And 10 songs or something. Yeah, it's <laughs> extremely short, but that's all you really need with this kind of music because the point is to get to the point. And all of these songs are, all the lyrics are written from the perspective of the vocalist Rob Watson, who is young, who is black, and he basically uses this uh, band as a pulpit to uh, shout against like systemic racism in schools and prisons in daily life, even within the hardcore scene itself. And he just takes n- absolutely no prisoners and it's enthralling. And the music is just absolutely, it just makes you want to take a, a boot to the head. Like in a, in a year where Solange put out a record that was very much about those same things, but very quiet and powerful at once. This is like just a punch to the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Pure Disgust. That song is Slander Me. Uh, it's off their self-titled record. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients come paired with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. Rediscover how fun cooking can be while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors and cuisines. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free, plus free shipping, by visiting blueapron.com songs. Let's play uh, another loud, thrashy one before we go somewhere else. Absolutely. So I've been listening to this band since I was in high school. Uh, they're called Zayo. And I, all right, I'm going to tell a brief story. The first time I saw Zayo and probably one of the first concerts I ever went to, not the first, but one of the first, uh, I wanted to see Zayo. They were performing at a, a venue attached to Georgia Tech uh, the the the, col- the university in Atlanta, and uh, usually my mom would just drop me off at shows and uh, and then be on our way and then pick me up later. You know, I was fourteen or something at the time. Uh, because Georgia Tech was so far, it was kind of like on the other side of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said, I-, "I need to stay. It doesn't make sense for me to go and come back." So she bought a ticket, took me and my friend David to go see Zayo. Uh, and she sat in the back and did her Bible study while a bunch of kids were like, th- <laughs> like moshing or whatever. <laughs> wow. It's probably my favorite concert story of all time. So Zayo, I have a long history with this band. In the late 90s, they're extremely instrumental in kind of pioneering this genre that came to be known as metalcore, which is basically like a very shorthand for mixing hardcore and metal. But they were always so different and more thoughtful about what they were doing. And over the course of like two decades, they've evolved and they've continued to make new music and and be very thoughtful about what they're doing through many breakups, through many lineup changes, through a lot of drama with labels and fans and everything else. And after seven years after the last record, they came back with the well-intentioned virus, which we actually did... uh, we did a first listen of a few weeks ago. It's hard for me to say this as somebody who's loved them for so long, but this is my favorite Zayo record. Wow. And you haven't been listening to quite the metal, did you, right? No, and I knew we were going to talk about this, and this is fine. I came prepared. Okay. (laughs) Over the last two years, I have found myself retreating more from heavy and extreme sounds just in my personal life. Mm -hmm. I tend to... In the last two years, I tend to listen more to music that is quieting or is more exploratory. And honestly, I've been listening to a lot more country and Americana music this year than I have in years past. Is that uh, some some of that kind of change in, in my life when I've done that happened to be because most of my listening was now done in, in a room and there was someone else in the room and it became uh, more connecting to listen to music that didn't want to hit me in the face, but it felt more like the quieter music always feels more community and, and connecting unless you're thr- being, unless you're thrashing. But if you're just hanging out in a living room or something, I is, get is that, that. Did, was that any of that? For you? I, I get, maybe to a certain point, but I think, I think mostly, uh, a, like one, my tastes have changed. I still listen to metal, 
uh, I, I just am, I don't seek it as much as I used to. I see the phrase black and death metal or death and black metal or metallic, crusty, whatever, and my eyes kind of glaze over because I feel like I can predict it, which is unfair. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely unfair, but it's just not where my ears are at. I think my ears maybe just needed a break this year. And the, the metal that I tend to still enjoy, at least right now, tends to be more song-driven, less extreme, and also exploratory, but maybe not as manic as I used to enjoy. This is a little bit hard for me to struggle with because I've been listening to metal like half my life. I'm 33. I've been listening to stuff since I was a teenager. As I'm growing out from it, I'm understanding what I do enjoy about metal. And Zayo is a band that I've always loved, and it, it, it is... It is absolutely convenient that they happen to put out a record this year, and but it's especially a plus that it's so excellent. Let's listen. Yes. So this is the song uh, Xenophobe. That lift. I know. It's beautiful. It really is. It's a, a little bit uh, Tales of Topographic Oceans, if you know the the, the yes, the double yes absolutely. record, right? It's absolutely it's yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I can't go. And I've never really heard them do this before, at least not this way, which is like this... What you're hearing right now, yeah. this is like this is the Zayo I know yeah. and love. Yeah. But like those little those little melodic segments that they've kind of woven into this album, yeah, that's great. Really make it something special. Uh, if they do come to town, oh, I've already told them. I already told them I would travel. <laughs> <laughs> they don't play that much anymore. They're all like either dads or like have like full time jobs or. Like the drummer lives in New York, the rest of the band lives in the Pittsburgh area. So they basically do like weekend festival sh stuff mm. these days, which is fine. That's a way to be. I mean, there are no spring chickens anymore, I guess. 
<laughs> it's really awesome. Uh, I'm going to do this because this name, I could not pronounce the name of this band. And I want to know more because it was, of all the things you gave me, this is what I loved the most. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. It's called Unwinding. The name of the track is Unwinding. The name of the artist is Umlan Passernine. Let's listen just a minute. And tell me. I got this cool little new box from Electroharmonics last night. It's called Super Ego. Mm-hmm. And it takes phrases, sort of freezes them, but does it in sort of smarts, so the little louder stuff. It holds the notes longer. And these are all these beautiful, weird decays. And so I've been l- listening while playing lots of stuff that drones, but, has, but I can play a melody on top. And so maybe it's why I connected so much. But I love when there's a, I mean, this is what Indian music is so great about. It, there's something that's like this big earthy thing that's holding it all together. And then there's these beautiful lilting melodies that happen with it. Yeah. That's what's happening here for me. So Ulan Pasternine is one of many monikers for uh, a California-based musician named Stephen R. Smith. He's been making music since the mid-90s. He was... Uh, for people who are paying attention maybe in the early 2000s, he was part of a group called the Jeweled Antler Collective, mm-hmm. which were ostensibly a, a group of like-minded musicians who made droney folk music, which I'm oversimplifying it completely, but that's kind of what they did. And he was in these, uh, he was in these groups called uh, Halastrana and Thuja and Mirza, and Stephen R. Smith, once he started making music outside of that, uh, he kind of developed different personas for the different kinds of music he wanted to make. So he has his like heavy psych stuff is like known as like Ulan Markor, or like sometimes he puts out stuff under his own name and it's like really quiet. Uh, and then he has like he has several different names, but Ulan Passernine seems to, but the 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 common thread between all of his projects is like this gorgeous psychedelic composition. And uh, Ulan Pasternine in particular is one that I've always resonated with the most because it's the one where he kind of pulls everything in. And he really kind of delights in stretching out his music like branches of oak and kind of slowly dissolving them uh, with all kinds of, like he, like, as you can kind of hear in the back right now, you hear acoustic guitar. Uh, eventually, there will be strings and woodwinds and harmonium, hmm. um, and it's just it's just stunning music. And he he will do this for 20 minutes at a time. Uh, and this record called "The Great Unwinding" uh, it's a, a double cassette release. He he I think he got kind of tired of waiting for labels to. Uh, pick up like his because he puts out a lot of music so he's self-releasing a lot right now uh so he actually put out two records under the ulan passernine moniker this year he put out the great unwinding and then he put out a much heavier record called moss cathedral uh just a few months ago let's listen to this
That's beautiful. So let's go somewhere uh, in the poppy rocky vein. Let's go to Russia. Okay, there's a good place. <laughs> in Russia, you will find the band Pink Shiny Ultra Blast. It's all one word. Uh, they put out this gorgeous record called Grand Feathered, right, basically right at the beginning of the year. Um, and this is a band that their touchstones are like a lot of like 80s noise pop and shoegaze, but also because Russia has such like an interest in metal, there's a lot of like heavy stuff going on and there's a lot of noise underlying everything that's going on. But on top of it is this gorgeous and lilting voice that's kind of like holding all this stuff together. But at the end of the day, they're just gorgeous pop songs. They're just kind of loud. and Sung in English? Uh, no, in Russian. In fact, this is a record I turned to a lot this year. Like, The way I kind of think of it is like, you know that kid in high school that was just kind of like effortlessly cool but wasn't uh, a jerk about it? Like, that's this record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. An appropriate name for a band, if ever there was one. Pink, shiny, ultra blast. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> the name of that record is uh, Grand Feathered. That song was The Cherry Pit. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Care.com, who wants you to know that if you paid $2,000 or more a year for a nanny, then you're responsible for nanny taxes. Care.com slash HomePay is a comprehensive resource for busy families that can handle all of your employer payroll obligations, from setting up automatic payments to preparing tax returns. 
Go to care.com slash homepay to learn more and get a free consultation. Take us out on something good. Take us out. So, so my favorite record of the year, this is my favorite record of the year. There is an artist who records uh, under, her Her name is Dawn Richard, but she records under the name Dawn. And the A is, looks like a triangle. I'm not sure what that symbol is called. But uh, extremely quick bio. Uh she was in the MTV reality show that uh, 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 P. Diddy put together of making the band. And so Don Richard was in this band called Danity Kane. They made some like really great pop music. And I think she stands very firm by what she made with that band. But she uh, read interviews over the years where she felt extremely manipulated and wasn't in control of like who she was as, as an artist. So when she went solo, she started making just these very weird Afrofuturist pop records, drawing a through line uh, into like Erica Badu and mm. like the disco house legend uh, Larry Hurd and maybe like a little bit of Sun Ra, but filtering it through her own lens. And out the end of it came this gorgeous uh, and very strange danceable pop music. And of course, this is like, this is Lars bait to me because like uh, my extreme ends, I love, I love top 40 pop music, which I don't know if many people know that, but I love top 40 pop music and I love the weird and the strange. And when those worlds come together uh, so strongly and so uh, holistically like Don has done, then yes, I'm going to pay attention. And so this is the third record that she has made since going solo. And it is, by turns, kind of her most conventional of the three, but n- no less, like, there will just be moments where, like, she'll all of a sudden put in, like, a little free jazz sample loop at the end of a track, mm-hmm. or throw in some, like, w- weird percussion where it doesn't make any sense that it's there. And ostensibly, her roots are in EDM, electronic dance music, uh, in rave music, and soul and R&B and she just kind of like filters it all in in a way that like none of the pop, none of our pop stars are really doing right now and I saw her live Bob oh my gosh one of the best live performances wow. I've ever seen and she was in this tiny you, you've been to DC 9 here in Washington DC small space not very big decent sound system yeah actually. and the room was just packed and so, like, Dawn just kind of, like, makes her, makes a beeline from the her dressing room to the front, and everybody just kind of backs off. And then, like, for an hour and a half, it was just nonstop. I've never seen that much energy and care put into a performance wow. ever. Wow. In fact, I encouraged uh, Adam Kissick, who is a photographer that we work with uh, quite often, um, when you guys were going to South by Southwest in March, I was like, Adam... Dawn is performing like a bunch of shows. You need to go see her because I knew this was like right up his alley. And he he texted me later, like two in the morning. <laughs> and it was like, Lars, oh my gosh, Dawn is the best thing I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> the exciting thing, like of the many exciting things about Dawn is that she is completely self-made. She's completely independent. She owns all of her music and she is in charge of everything she does but 
the kind of like the crazier thing is that she is a black woman making challenging pop music in a, in a landscape that doesn't really allow that. And so uh, the record she put out this year, Redemption, is my favorite record of the year. It's the thing that I listen to all the time. And there are, it takes so many weird twists and turns that like I really couldn't sum up this record in one song. So I thought we'd go out with the banger. So let's do Love Under Lights. Fantastic. Thank you, Lars. You need to like come up to me, grab me by the throat and said, you need to put this on the show. I'm coming on. Well, or just bust in the studio. I mean, <laughs> we might as well take this opportunity to announce that I will be joining All Songs Considered full time in 2017. Yeah, I'm so glad of that. Uh, I'll basically be more mostly... More Lars is what 2017 stands for. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be writing a lot more for the blog. Uh, I'll be doing some production and I'll be coming up with ideas Here. for the show and yeah. I'll be on the I'll be on the show more often. I won't be a host or anything, but I'll be on the show more often. That's great. Thanks so much. Happy 2017 cuz 2016 is uh just finally. It's over. it's over. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <sighs> All right, let's dance, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Fair and fair music. It's all songs considered. She was 510.
Did you know that over 15 million people a month listen to NPR podcasts according to PodTrax podcast metrics? Check out all our shows at npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.